go. Hello, and welcome to Bubby Brister's Brunch Buddies, your go-to show for football history, analysis, and general sports information on the Cowboys, Washington football team, and Seattle Mariners on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Harry Gollin, here with Andrew Pearson. As per usual. And today, Andrew and I are going to be covering the matchup between the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens, as well as the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. Additionally, we're going to cover the Urban Meyer shenaniganery. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. First, let's dive into the matchup. So the Colts and the Ravens obviously have something of a fraught history, considering the fact that the Colts were once Baltimore's team and left in infamous fashion, the Mayflower Vans. That was pretty bad. But the Colts hold the all-time advantage at 10 and 6, and, and as well as the advantage in playoff games, 2 to 1. There have been no ties between the teams. The first game we're going to examine is a 2006 divisional playoff game. Now, the Ravens were led by Steve McNair, the Colts by Peyton Manning. So it was a rip-roaring offensive shootout, right? Andrew, guess what the final score was? It was I I've got a feeling it was like 14 to 7, something like that. 15 um, to 6. Not not too far off. Now Indianapolis now, didn't score a touchdown. Oh In fact, God. nobody scored a touchdown. Oh, Everyone no. just kicked field goals. Now, folks, Steve, Steve McNair, one of one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks of all time. Because people know that he was a really good quarterback. People don't understand that he was one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, of his era. No Sammy Baugh, no Bobby Brister, but you know. You know. But uh, Steve Steve McNair, you know, from Alcorn State, okay, he was drafted. I think he was, at the time, the highest drafted black quarterback uh, at that point point in the Mm -hmm. NFL. He went to the Houston Oilers for i think it was either the third overall pick i think is what it was um but he was the high so. he was the highest drafted black quarterback at, at at the time and he was the king of houston and when the oilers eventually moved to the to tennessee and became the titans he was their franchise quarterback for many years until finally uh and he had a co-mvp year by the way i think in 2002 with peyton manning uh, he was really, yeah. he was really good, and mm-hmm. eventually, no, a... um, I think it's 2005. Uh, Tennessee drafted Vince Young, you know, quarterback out of Texas. You know, the coming off the heels of one of the greatest, uh, not just college football games, but probably one of the greatest co- football games period of all time, in that in that Texas USC Rose Bowl. Uh, Vince Young goes to Tennessee, and eventually. Uh, the Titans decided that you know they didn't, they didn't want Aaron McNair anymore, and they went ahead mm-hmm. and traded him to Baltimore. Yeah. And and that that 2006 year I believe was his last year in the league. That might have been. I don't I don't remember the year he retired. But yeah. So, Andrew, it goes like this: mm-hmm. Adam Vinatieri field goal. Adam Vinatieri field goal. <laughs> Matt Stover field goal. Adam Vinatieri field goal. Adam Vinatieri field goal. Matt Stover field goal, Adam Vinatieri field goal. That's it. That's the game. That's all the scores. To be clear, the total net yards for both offenses were Indy 261, Baltimore 244. Andrew, I'm going to read you 
the box numbers for Peyton Manning and Steve McNair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I just want you to sort of hear them because I had trouble looking at them myself. Completions, 15 out of 30 attempts, 170 yards, two picks, no touchdowns. QB rating, 39.6. Okay. That was Peyton Manning. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Steve McNair actually fared slightly better with 18 completions out of 29 attempts and 173 yards, but also two picks. Passer rating of 49.6.9 rather. That those are your superstar quarterbacks, to be clear. Literal stalwarts of the league and co- MVP caliber players. Not only MVP caliber players, but they were MVP the same year. But the real MVPs were the kickers. Both Vinatieri and Stover made every single attempt, including both making oh making 51 yard field goals. So, you know, there you go. Huh? Ups to the kickers. Also, classic underrated player Bob Sanders had 10 tackles. Mm. So, I love Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders, the uh, 5'8 safety for the Colts. The final Bob in NFL football. Tragic that we lost this him. Is, I mean, it's true. And don't, but... To be clear, folks, he didn't actually die. <laughs> he didn't actually die, though. What was it? his injury? He had, like, a lot of leg injuries, right? I think it was that and concussions. And concussions, yeah. Um, so, yeah, certainly not. And Steve McNair ran for six yards, so, you know, if you want to just... Uncharacteristic. Actually, no, this was this was last legs. Steve last McNair, legs. So. Peyton Manning ran for five, so... Ooh. Neither of them had the mobility of Bobby Brister. No, just doesn't sure. compare. It doesn't compare. I mean, Bobby Brister would have torched this game. Let's be fair. <laughs> not even joking. So, let's talk about their first meeting. Something of a Baltimore revenge game, if you would. Mm. Unfortunately for the Ravens, it was not actually in Baltimore. It was in the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. Right? So, at this point, we've got two titans of the game. And I say this somewhat sarcastically, but also not as ironically as you might think. Because starting for the Ravens was Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. And starting for the Colts was Jim Harbaugh. And would this have been... I forget which year the, the Ravens came into existence. Was it 99 or 2000? No, no, this is 96. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, everyone just remembers the Ravens when they were good, but they had a, they had a couple of years of run-up. Don't forget, they had to exchange Vinny Testaverde. They had to take Vinny's rightful Super Bowl away from him. They gave it like Mark Bolger, I think it was. No, it was Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. The kind of like mediocre quarterbacks, they kind of... They kind of no but trent dilfer was straight up bad that's the thing guy trent bulger mark dilfer whatever you know (laughs) i'm sorry no offense to both they were both incredible athletes and especially mark bulger you you were actually a pretty good nfl quarterback so you know but whatever anyway um i just think it's an interesting game because i mean I, i don't know what else to say except that it was it was a close game. It was a good game of football, but it's remarkable because there are a number of names that you just, you know, you look at them and you say, man, man, these guys are here, right? Mm-hmm. You got obviously the aforementioned Testaverde and Harbaugh, but Ernest Biner for the yeah. Ravens, mm-hmm. Marshall Falk for the Colts, you know, 
Was Marvin Harrison a rookie? Uh, I'm not. Let me see. If he was, he didn't. No, no. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. He, he would have he been had a one rookie, catch right? for twenty yards. Now was Edger and James around at this time? <sighs> yeah, I looked for him. Maybe I'm just missing him, but I'm not seeing him. Mm, okay. But yeah, and this was his first year to be clear. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Uh, who who's it that I just mentioned? The running back. Um, Edron James. Yeah, Edron James. He was drafted when the Colts let Marshall Falk go to the Rams. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, Edron so, James was also really good. So. Anyway, it was actually a pretty interesting game. So you open with a field goal. That's all the scoring of the first quarter. So Indy's up three nothing, but they managed to build on that. Jim Harbaugh threads the needle thirty yards downfield. 10 nothing Colts. Now that's a chance for the Colts to run away from uh, run, run away with the game, you know, blow it open. But Vinny Testaverde marches down the field and hits Derek Alexander 23 yards downfield to make it 7-10. However, Baltimore's defense folds and Kerry Blanchard kicks another one through the uprights, putting Indy up 13 to 7, heading into the locker room. However, Vinny finds Derek Alexander again early in the third quarter to give Baltimore their first lead of the game, 14 to three. However, Marshall Falk breaks the plane to make it 14 to 20 Indianapolis. Now, again, we're seeing an interesting example of that kind of old school football. Imagine you are the Colts, right? You have just scored. Marshall Falk has just scored. You are now up 19 to 14. The obvious decision in modern football would be to go for two points. Mm. Obviously it would give you a seven point lead. The Colts elect to kick the field goal. That's just a good example of some of the inefficiencies that were just commonplace in football as recently as 10 years ago, even five in certain cases, but that were certainly very common as much as what is now almost 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean, there was just a there was there was a lot more focus on more conservative play calls, a lot a lot more of what would be considered now as traditional pass sets with two backs. Right, right. uh, A tight end and two wide receivers. uh, Lots of focusing on the running game. The fullbacks was fullbacks were still a you know a utilized position, or were still a commonly utilized position. Um, For example, like Mike Allstott, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It was a A train, A train, the A train. Uh, Lorenzo Neal for the Chargers as well. just these really superstar fullbacks were still around in the super early 2000s to late 90s. And, of course, none bigger than Moose Johnson for, for the Super Bowl winning Cowboys. But, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, well, okay, come on. Come on. Come none on. bigger? None bigger? I'm not sure about that. Come on now. Come on. Uh, Daryl Johnston? Uh, I don't know. Was, he, was there no one bigger as a fullback? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he was a pretty big fullback. He was a big guy. I'll give you that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, I know this guy. Oh, oh, Sammy Ball is the greatest quarterback of all time. He is. Daryl Johnston, though. Cry more about it. Daryl Johnston never would have played football if it wasn't for Sammy Ball. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to check whether it's Johnston or Johnson. I'm I'm actually Okay, well, listen, you're the Cowboys (laughs) fan. So, anyway, moving on in the game. So, Vinny has just been killing it, right? He's just been blowing the top off the Colts defense. By all accounts, they even though Indianapolis holds an advantage, considering it's a six-point lead, 
all Vinny has to do is march downfield once one more time to put the uh, to put the Ravens up. But there's a back-breaking interception that's returned by linebacker Jeff Herod. 50, uh, excuse me, 68 yards for a touchdown, which is just brutal, kind of backbreaking. Now, if it's any consolation for the Ravens, the Colts finally attempt a two-point conversion now, which fails, meaning they are down 14 to 26. And Vinny marches downfield and scores a touchdown to make it 26 to 21. But in the end, it's a little too late. But there's some interesting figures in this in this game that I think are worth mentioning. So first of all, there is, as I mentioned, the, the linebacker, Jeff Herrick, right? He returned. He had a pick six, right? Great game. But this guy is a phenomenal story. I mean, it's just kind of weird how how exceptional some of the things are. So according to sort of his backstory that he gave, his first pair of shoulder pads were literally pulled out of a dumpster, right? And I mean, this guy retired. Uh, this guy left Ole Miss as the S- as the leading uh, tackler in SEC history, right? And he actually he was either going he was going to play in the NFL, and if he wasn't drafted, he was going to join the Marines. He was drafted in the ninth round. And he made captain unbelievably quickly. To be clear, he was a ninth round draft pick in 1988. He made team captain by 1989. Oh my god! This guy, this guy, actually, this guy was on a different grind set, man. And he had he finished his career with like 1,300 tackles. He was really high in the Colts like all time tackle like records. And he's a fan favorite. Great guy. Uh, just a just a really cool player who got a moment to shine here with this pick six in this game, right? Mm-hmm. And there's another guy here. So his name is Vince Workman. He was a backup running back for the Colts in this game. He had like two carries. He wasn't really that important in this game. But I think it's worth bringing him up because he is – see, Andrew, I wouldn't say I know more about football than you, but I have repositories of trivia that are just – stuck in my head forever Mm -hmm. that are so niche no one else knows them for example i know and i don't know where i learned this but i know and i've known for much of my life that vince workman actually holds the record for both the panthers and the packers for more for most reception receptions in a single game by running back that's true that's that's, also pretty neat trivia he was also the starting running back the game where don magikowski was replaced by brett Favre for the Packers. So just a little, just two little factoids about Vince Workman. So now you might say, okay, Harry, sure. Colts, Ravens, whatever. What's the connection to Bubby Brister? I was wondering the exact same thing. And that's where you're wrong. Okay. I'm way ahead of you. In 1992, Bill Cower, Satan himself, uh, <laughs> chose backup quarterback Neil O'Donnell over Bubby Brister. How dare he? I don't know if he was just like, can I say smoking crack on the radio? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Bill Cower was just out of his mind, out of his mind, having a psychotic episode. Um, I don't know. Maybe he, he just, maybe he had Bubby Brister derangement uh, syndrome. He, he had this like, he was, he just felt shown up by Bubby Brister. Bubby Brister knew more about football than him, I think. He was embarrassed. Anyway, 
So, but what happens in 1992? Well, Cower comes crawling back to Bubby for two games during that season. Bubby wins them both. And you know what one of the teams he beats is? Who is? Indianapolis Colts. That's right. When Neil O'Donnell was injured, Bobby Brister came in and saved the team that didn't deserve him. That's right. And because that's just the kind of guy Bubby is. He's just a, Andrew, just a great guy. He's a great guy. But Andrew, Bobby Brister will obviously, unfortunately, not be playing in this week's upcoming game against the Ravens in the Ravens Colts game. Oh. Though he could. I mean, though he could. And honestly, probably still better than Carson Wentz. But what? Do you think it's going to happen, Andrew? Here is just the unfortunate reality for the Colts this year. They are that really solid B to B plus level team, and I really, I really do believe in the Colts. I believe in their head coach Frank Reich, and I love their GM Chris Ballard. I love Frank Reich. Yeah, Frank Reich's great. Um, Frank Reich is amazing. And I really, this roster for the Colts is rock solid. Right. The problem is they have a distinct lack of star talent at really mm. key positions. So like quarterback? Okay, quarterback quarter, <laughs> quarterback's a little 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 different this year. I quietly I think Carson, quietly I think Carson Wentz is actually playing fine. Uh, I mean, but that's not star power. I mean, he hasn't been that MVP guy he was with the Eagles back in 2017. I'll give you that. But he's been far from bad. I, I think he's been solid. I, I really do. And not to mention, right. he, he's had all these lower leg injuries. So, you know, he's not getting Yeah, I mean, good. you're happy for the guy. I yeah. mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock that, to be clear. I'm just saying that I think the Colts are certainly limited by, uh, shall we say, they're, they don't have like a, let's say, a Patrick Mahomes or really. Yeah, like Carson Wentz isn't that right now. I'll give you that. But. Wait, and let's be clear here. In a division as competitive as the AFC South, that's, that, that, that's uh, going to hurt. Competitive. Okay. Well, the Titans are good. They just and lost to the Der- Jets. Yeah, but they've got Derrick Henry, and they're going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, okay, the division was supposed to be good. That's off topic. The division was supposed to be good. The Jaguars were supposed to be watchable. The, uh, the Colts and the Titans I, were supposed to be duking it out. And like what you what you want me to say? Like they this there's a lot of talent on these teams. AFC South teams, though have though both though bro, everyone's the te- been pretty the much Texans are in this division. Okay. But they are devoid. Okay, Tyron any- Taylor straight up beat teams. Okay. He he straight up beat some teams. So I don't I don't even want to. Okay, hear okay, you. okay, 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 okay. Knows Tyron Back, Taylor's left. We are off topic, Harry. All right. Uh, Let me contract. finish my point. I'm always on topic. He finished my point. Okay, hold on. Let me let me get this camera to refocus on me. Thank Ooh, you. Gonna cut, you're gonna cut that line? No. So, so Carson Wentz. You know the people at home can't see you, Andrew. There we go. No, it's just for my own sanity. There we go. Uh, okay. Okay. So, lost cause on the phone. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has quietly been a solid quarterback. They have a good running sure. game. Uh. The problem is this defense for the Colts. They have DeForest Buckner, and who's who's maybe you know one of the one of the superstar talents. He's really close to it, 
And then you have okay. Darius Leonard, probably one of the most overrated players in the league. He's good. Oh, he's good. Oh, he's just not okay. like top five linebacker. Or in hot take, where it's hot take o'clock. Yeah, yeah it, yeah, it kind of hot take o'clock. You just you don't have stars at the positions that matter. You know, you don't have a star receiver. Man, really, I hear like, oh yeah, Carson Wentz basically star production. Darius Leonard, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what what would really put this Colts team over the top would be mm-hmm. a star corner, a, especially a star receiver of any sort, because they don't have one right now. Right. They need a star receiver. They need a good defensive back. They they need a really really good defensive back, and they really need another edge rusher. And not to mention the mm-hmm. offensive line right now isn't playing. Uh, to its best potential, obviously Quentin Nelson, bet one of the top two guard in the league, uh, is not playing at the moment. He's been he's been put on IR for a foot injury. So, yeah, right now not only are the Colts a little depleted, they already didn't have the star talent in the first place. Yeah, and because of just the the talent deficiency here, I'm going to pick the Ravens, uh, because the Ravens have looked great. The Ravens have looked. No, they have. They, they, they look actually great. I'm eating crow right now on uh, mm-hmm. on Lamar Jackson because he he's looking better than I expected. He's throwing the ball better this year and throwing balls accurately downfield, uh, which is really where I was criticizing him early on in the season and going into the season as well. Uh, he because he always threw well over the middle of the field, but I wanted to see him outside the numbers more. Really really win games with his arm and he's been able to do that this year and he's proven me wrong and yeah. uh the raven the ravens look good the ravens do look really good so because of that because of the talent deficiencies and just because the momentum that baltimore is riding on right now uh i'm going to i'm gonna pick the the ravens here on this on this one yeah i think that's the right call i mean i have been out on the show as a big Lamar Jackson fan. So that hasn't changed. I still think the Ravens are a good team. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. So they're clearly the better team here. And it's, is it possible the Colts could win? Yeah, oh, they're absolutely. Kind of the, yeah. They're the quintessential spoiler team that, you know, bad game from a good team. They can take advantage of that. But I still don't think that fundamentally changes the fact that the, the Ravens are clearly the favorites. So that brings us to our next matchup, the Cards and the Niners. So San Francisco has these all-time series lead at 32-27, to 27, but the two teams have never actually met in postseason play. Well, fact for you. So it's not just, you know, the Lions and the Bears. But it's also because the, the Cardinals have been historically bad for okay, a well, long time. Maybe, counterpoint, Andrew. Maybe it's just bad luck. Okay. Okay. You know, it's not, not, they weren't bad. Elaborate. They weren't bad. They were just unlucky. Okay. (laughs) Let me, let me, okay. We're going to start with my first example. It's 1980. The cards are going to candlestick to face the Niners. Who are they putting out there? Well, none other than Jim Hart, Theotis Brown, Otis Anderson, two Otises, basically. I mean, one's Theotis, but you know, that's a good team, Andrew. I mean, were they 0-2? Sure. Were they called the St. Louis Cardinals to try and trick people into going to a game thinking it was the baseball team? 
absolutely <laughs> but you know believe so let's talk about that game it's 1980 going to candlestick what happens well the the niners strike first steve deberg we've talked about him on the show before he was one of those kind of pre-montana niners quarterbacks who gets short shrift in discussion of niners quarterbacks which i think is not fair if you want to talk about montana the montanas and the youngs i mean you got to talk about the debergs the uh alex Bridges, smiths the jimmy g's oh wait oh i'm sorry oh, uh, oh no a little, little a little presumptive perhaps but you know i i stand by it i don't think jimmy g is going to be much better than one of those honestly alex smith better than jimmy g like 2011 uh, we, we, Alex can, Smith. we can get we can get to that in a second. No, seriously, real quick. 2011 Alex Smith better than Jimmy G. Mm. No, or 2012, the one where they went 13 and three, and then he got replaced by Kaepernick. Like he was really good. Yeah. And then they maybe. plugged him into the Andy Reid system, and he was even better. Like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy G can't even like Jimmy G just like fumbles everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. But am I wrong? He fumbles all the time. Anyway, no, that's, that's not the point. I don't, I don't hate Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just funny to hate on him. Uh, so anyway, Steve DeBerg strikes first, but Theotis Brown catches a pass from Jim Hart and bam, Cardinals are right back even. So yeah, then Andrew, I think Jim Hart all the way back in 1980 heard your disbelief, said they were just historically bad. You know, mm-hmm. he heard you. He responded because he hits Doug Marsh to put the Cardinals up 14 to seven. How about that? Okay. How about them Cardinals? By the way, I forgot to mention this, um, but that first touchdown for the Niners happened in the second quarter and the two touchdowns for the Cardinals happened in the third quarter. Nobody scored in the first. It was one of those games. Oh God. (laughs) They're heading into the fourth quarter. Like Steve DeBerry, I mean, I guess he passes to Earl Cooper or whatever and ties the game. But then Will Harrell runs it in to give St. Louis another seven-point lead. However, honesty forces me to tell you that Paul Hofer runs 26 yards to tie the game, and then in overtime, the Niners kick the game-winning field goal. Unfortunate. But I'm telling you, man, does that sound like a historically bad performance for me for to you? I mean, it sounds Jim like a, Hart, it sounds like a cherry picked performance. Twenty eight for thirty eight, two TDs and a pick, passer rating of ninety nine. Like, what? Sure, it doesn't sound bad on paper. Historically until bad until you realize the context of the rest of that season. I want to hear their record. I want to hear their final record, Harry. Oh, okay, sure, sure. I'm I nineteen eighty. Here, here. You know what? Arizona Cardinals record. I'm sure it's gonna be really good. They were like five and eleven. That's not even that bad. That's not historically bad. What? No, I didn't mean that. Than... I did, I meant the organization as a whole was historically bad. Not not the 1980s iteration specifically. Yeah, I mean, they. Um, what what's a good thing about that year? Um, uh. 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 uh, 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 uh Mm, uh, they were better than the Giants. They weren't last in their division. It was the NFC East, and they were five and eleven, and the Giants were four and twelve. Oh, that was back when there was still an AFC Central, right? 
this is back when the five team like baseball style divisions and they were still in St. Louis. So they got, they got to be in the East. I see. Well, all right. Yeah. All right. That was a neat little trivia yeah, so, section, Harry. But anyway, that's not, that's not what we're, that's not what we're like trying to get into here. Anyway. Yeah. So that, that was my first game that I was going to bring up, but I just wanted to bring up. Um, so if longtime listeners of the show may recognize the name Theodos Brown, so he was a running back who tragically died of a heart attack at 27. But he had both an excellent nickname, Chocolate Thunder. That was his real nickname. And there's a, he's allegedly went to school with hot to high school with Tom Hanks. Ooh. Oh, I think so, I think I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, we brought this up. He, I brought him up in an episode about the Chiefs, but you know, he played for multiple teams. So he played for the Cardinals here. Yeah, another reason why the Cardinals are good. But let's let's bring it back. All right, everybody knows about the 1980 Cardinals. Everyone. It's it's you know, you can't you can't throw a stone without hearing somebody talking about the 1980 Cardinals. What about the 2011 Cardinals? How about them? Andrew? Uh, any memories? So any, the, any memories? So this would have been this would have been post Kurt Warner. Um Yeah, post Kurt Warner. What were they doing at quarterback post Kurt Warner? Because they kept they kept Matt Leinart around for another year or two. Well, I'm about to tell you. Oh no! So before we get into the game, oh god, I want to tell you a little story. Uh oh. So there was an English poet in the 16th century. His name was John Skelton. Okay. Uh huh. He actually tutored King Henry VIII and got ordained as a deacon and, and, you know, a Catholic deacon because this was before the Anglican split, which was by, which actually was created by his protege, Henry VIII. He actually wrote a large amount of poetry commemorating English victories in battle. Mm -hmm. Why am I bringing up some English poet from the 16th century? Because the name of the Cardinals QB was John Skelton, spelled the exact same way. John Skelton? Yeah, Skelton. Okay. And that's just a funny coincidence to me. But he was American Skelton, right? Mm-hmm. 21st century Skelton. He was the successor to Cardinals franchise legend Matt Liner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and in fairness, in the run-up to this game, his first NFL game, his first NFL start, I should say, he actually led the Cards to a 43-13 victory over the Broncos which snapped a seven-game losing streak for Arizona. He actually was nominated for Rookie of the Week, but lost it to Gronk. Who's that guy? Uh, honestly? By the way, yeah. Gronk went to Arizona State, I believe. So. Any? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Funny how that's like infamously one of the worst partying schools as well. But, uh... Yeah. In Skelton's third start on Christmas Day, he actually led a game-winning drive to beat the Cowboys. Ah, oh, boo, boo, boo gross, gross. Yeah, that's right. It was that. What year was that? That's twenty. That's like the. You just said twenty eleven. That's twenty eleven. So, like, what was the what were the twenty eleven Cowboys doing? Losing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, that was just clear. All right. So, but but seriously, folks. Um, so let's let's actually let's get to the game though. So, there's some familiar names. First of all, the this was the twenty eleven Niners. So this was a good Niners team. That's that's a ten, excuse me, a nine and three 
San Francisco 49ers team. No, excuse me. No, 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 no. I'm misreading their record. It's 10 and two. They were 10 and two. The Cardinals were five and seven, right? Mm-hmm. So early on, it kind of goes the way you might expect. In the first quarter, San Francisco kicks a field goal. And early in the second quarter, they kick another one. But then things get a little weird. John Skelton hits early Doucette 60 yards downfield. Bam. Ooh, early Doucette. He's an LSU grad. I know that. Is he now? Yeah, he's from LSU. I think he was, I think he was, I think his claim to fame was that he was really fast. Yeah. Well, he caught a 60 yard pass in the NFL. So that seems likely. Yeah. And David Akers is like, all right, screw it. I'll just put the team on my back and kicks two more field goals. So San Francisco is a 12 to 7 lead heading into uh, halftime. But then San Francisco's like, wait a minute, don't we might need to um, score points to win football games. So Frank Gore runs for 37 yards. This is back when Frank Gore was young and like not just running one yard up the middle, a replay for the Jets. <laughs> Adam Truly a fate moment. worse than death. A fate worse than death, honestly. But here, but then what? What is that? Another deep pass, 46 yards this time from Skelton to Larry Fitzgerald. Wow. And Arizona's back in it. And then Skelton just hit Andre Roberts to win the game in the fourth quarter. Andre Roberts. Oh, you mean like the, the really good return man? I remember, yeah. I know him. I know. Him. I remember we brought the Washington football team brought him at one point. Didn't really work, but yeah, it was a nice thought. Anyway. Anyways. Anyway, folks, what I was really just talking about here is, you know, it was a good game. And surprisingly, this 2011 uh, 49ers team lost to a Cards team under 500. You just don't see that every day. And it goes to show that don't be like Andrew, underestimating the underdog all the time. Okay. (laughs) Historically bad franchise. Like, okay, Andrew, they had John Skelton, though. I, I feel I feel attacked. I'm, I'm attacking you now because I think you are you are hating on John Skelton, and I, I can't allow that. Well, it wasn't personal or anything. Nothing personnel, kid. <laughs> anyway, anyway, folks. we love John Skelton here. He's uh, another another great another great player. Uh, so Andrew, John Skelton's not here to save the Cardinals anymore. They had to downgrade to some guy named like Tyler, some baseball Kyle. player. Yeah, he got drafted by the A's, I think. Yeah. Yeah, some some guy. Yeah, you never heard of him. But yeah. Anyway, can the can the Cardinals overcome subpar QB play in this game against the Niners? <laughs> well, all jokes aside, folks, um the Cardinals look incredible. Uh Kyler Murray is beasting out right now. Probably uh pro- probably the leading MVP candidate this year, if I'm being completely honest probably but i feel like it's a little early to make determinations like that i said mb mvp favorite so far you know time can still change uh i'm also not don't forget russell wilson has started like the last five years of the mvp favorite every year (laughs) dude there were vikings fans who were like bro kurt cousins for mvp because he was true no 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 we're not laughing at kirk cousins on this show as a washington football team fan i cheer for captain kirk we do not approve of (laughs) kirk cousins mockery here this is a kirk cousins safe space anyways anyways um kyler murray looks incredible uh the best part about about the way that the cardinals looked against the rams last week was probably the the most concerning thing for the cardinals was how their how their line play was going to be because people always felt like okay they have all these finessey 
uh, skill players that, wow. that, you know, can provide the fireworks, but can they get down in the trenches and can they really win up front? And they proved that against the, the Rams last week. Right. So mm. this team has gone from, you know, cute little cute firecracker, uh, you know, offensive show, show, show pony kind of deal. Right. But uh, it is more from that to actual Super Bowl expectations. And it, it's starting to get it's starting to get pretty heavy. Uh, obviously, not as much as the hype on the Panthers for some reason, but um, but the Cardinals look great. Now let's go to the Niners, and the Niners are definitely trending in the opposite direction. And I'll start with their defense. Uh, their defense looked okay against um, against Seattle. The problem with them is that they have no cornerback depth anymore because they had to let every either let everybody go or. Uh, and, and they didn't properly draft for corner this year. Don't worry about uh, it. So they have no corners right now. Their safeties are just eh. So the, the defensive back room is kind of in shambles right now. And the, the front seven is still good, but their, their back four are still so bad that uh, it's it's starting to get kind of concerning. And it showed against the Seahawks. Uh, so I'm concerned about the playmakers, especially the their matchup with the Cardinals playmakers, because, my God, you have DeAndre Hopkins, who's still one of the best receivers in the league. You have Christian Kirk, who's an excellent slot receiver. And you have Rondale Moore, that gadget athlete, uh, just offensive weapon that Cliff Kingsbury has wanted so bad for so long. Uh yeah, that is a deadly combination against a depleted 49er secondary. And not to mention, folks, please pump the brakes on Trey Lance. Please pump the brakes. Mm. People are acting as if, you know, the wide open busted coverage 75 yard touchdown or whatever it was to Debo Samuel was you know, a really highlight play and a demonstrative of how good Trey Lance is. No, it's not. That was a broken coverage. The throw wasn't even that great. Debo didn't even look like he 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 believed that it was that wide open. Okay? So he a busted coverage went his way and in the last two minute drill in garbage time, he led a fine he led a fine drive. Um where really the only really good play he made was a run, a scramble up the middle for 10 yards, okay? That's pretty much what Trey Lance did. Other than that, he looked raw. He looked incredibly raw. I want folks to, to remember, this guy, this guy hasn't played football in over a year. He's coming from a Division II school in North Dakota. Um, he was a starter in 2019, that was the only year he started. He then didn't didn't play in 2020. He played one game. He played one showcase game that was pretty much a wash and hasn't played since. Played a little bit in the preseason. And he looks like a rookie. He looks like a guy who hasn't played football in a, long, in a while. You can clearly yeah. see the talent. The talent is clearly there. It's just that he's not ready yet. He clearly is not ready yet. Mm-hmm. The problem here is that Jimmy G got hurt again. 
He has a calf injury. Again. They're not sure how long he's going to be out. Apparently, he's not going to be out for too long, but definitely won't be ready for Sunday's matchup, which means Trey Lance is going to get trotted out out there. And I don't know, man. It just I don't think I don't think he's ready. I really don't. Um, no. People people are acting and saying that Trey Lance should be starting for the rest of the year. Honestly, it's in the Niners' best interest to play Jimmy Garoppolo. It really is. Jimmy Garoppolo is the better quarterback right now. He is much more stable. He's more accurate. He's more consistent. And I'm not I'm not here to fully you know sweep under the rug. Jimmy Garoppolo struggles this year because he has struggled. Humbling. He he has struggled this year. Absolutely. But it's it's the same situation like with Justin Fields and Justin Fields and Andy Dalton in Chicago. Justin Fields just got announced the starter for the rest of the year, uh, at least until further notice. And I I feel the Bears are rushing him out too quickly. Now Fields is more is more pro ready than Trey Lance, but I don't know, man. I don't like this. I don't like the situation Trey Lance is getting put into. Uh, and it's just not a good recipe, especially going up against a talented uh, Cardinals team. I don't think he's going to be able to to keep pace with Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, I am I am lower on the Cardinals than a lot of people, but even I have to admit the Cardinals have been really good this year, and the Niners have not been so impressive. So it's hard not to look at this and kind of shrug and say, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are the better team. Does that mean the Niners are out of it, that you can write this game off? No, but again, there's clearly a better team in this now, you know? Yeah. I think that's the way to look at it, most simply. So I guess that, that does it for that section. Now, we do still have a good chunk of time left, Harry, and... I think you I know, did promise. I think you know what we're gonna what we're gonna spend these last couple of minutes on. I mean, yeah, I think so. I, again, Andrew, a promise is a promise, and I said that I would cut out some time to talk about Urban Meyer and his uh, behavior. Now, folks, Urban Meyer is the um, definitely current, but probably not for long, head coach. Of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are, are we sure Urban Meyer is like real? What if he's like a made up in a simulation? I mean, yeah. I mean, right. Just to kind of get the ball rolling here, um, I'm just gonna say, Urban Meyer is already gonna be one of the worst. Hi- gonna going to go down as one of the worst head coaching hires in NFL history. We sure. are we are reaching. Bobby Petrino levels of awful. Whoa. Okay, I'm not sure he's Bobby Petrino yet. No, 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 no. Let me explain. Let me explain. So, for those who don't know, the Jaguars and the Bengals played on Thursday Night Football in Cincinnati, Ohio. And this is this will be important that it was in Ohio. Um, they, play, they played. Uh, it was a close game. The Jaguars finally seemed to be making some sort of progress after what for the past three weeks has just been a complete dumpster fire of a football team. Um, Urban Meyer clearly has not been putting in the work 
in in the coaching on the on the actual X's and O's sides side of things, um, for his football team, they clearly look really underprepared. They looked overmatched. To the Bengals, to the Bengals. <laughs> Pretty funny. But so after the game, Urban Meyer's really upset with the media. It, in the media, right? He's like, oh, these guys have got, these group of guys, they're great. They're great. And we're going to win some games. I promise. And like, well, like, well, Urban, I don't know about that. And, and reportedly, like, the guy looks super burnt out, super exhausted. Sure. After Are you the that game. surprised, though? Like, I mean, I'd be burnt out if I played with <laughs> the Jaguars for playing. But what's most important, Harry, is how he celebrated, so to speak, after well, the game, I would say the the more the more accurate way to put it would be coped. But yes, um, he responded. So after the game, uh, normally no, no. present this like a like a decision tree. You are the Jaguars head coach. Your yes. team sucks. Your team is do terrible. You, do you a return to the film room, put in more work? B do you go back and and talk to trusted mentors and friends about certain schemes and asking, you know, why isn't this working? What do I need to change? Option B is talk to Tim Tebow. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Option C, maybe, you know, you should go talk to the players, see if they have any ideas, some veteran guys. Maybe they've been around the league a little bit. Maybe they know that something's not right, you know? There are more or options. D, option D, do Ob- or pull an Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what a normal coach would do when uh, playing an away game is, Get on the plane with your players and go back home. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I can't say that. I can't say that. <laughs> Wait, I need a timestamp. Please timestamp that. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's too rowdy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Urban uh, Meyer's a bad influence. He's rubbing <laughs> off on me. <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah, okay. Timestamped. All right. So, Urban Meyer decides, you know, when his guys are getting on the plane, he says, N- you know what, guys? You guys go, go on ahead. ahead. Me. You guys go <laughs> on ahead without me. We are a 0-4 team in desperate need of leadership. But... Leadership you, I cannot provide. Leadership I, the head coach, the czar of this team. You know, I'm going to say, you guys go on without me. Right, of I'm going to stay home and... Um, and... I'm going to tell you guys I'm going to go visit my family and go visit my grandkids. I'm going to tell you guys that. So, I mean, Urban Meyer loves his grandkids. So the players kind of look at each other. They're they already, you know, not happy with, with this, this head coach. But they're already looking at him sideways for doing this. So, okay, the Jaguars leave. You're kind of already in a, in a bad position with them. But, okay, they leave. What do you Urban Meyer, proceed to do next. Option A, go see your your grandkids. (laughs) Option B, go party it up. And, uh, oh, that's that's exactly what Urban Meyer did. Urban Urban Meyer Meyer understands the world, unlike you, Andrew. I mean, I think that's the difference between, that's why you're not an NFL head coach. So later on, it was leaked uh, about, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, that uh, lots of videos came out that Urban Meyer decided to go to a bar, okay? <laughs> decided to go to a bar after the game, 
Go to a bar. Um, you know, where a coach belongs. Go to a bar. And was dancing very, very closely uh, in a very promiscuous way with a very young lady who was mm-hmm. most definitely not his wife. Wait, does Urban Meyer have a wife? Urban Meyer has a wife and kids and grandchildren. Wait, ah, uh, that's a little... Mm, that's a little... <laughs> so, <laughs> he, was, he was caught dancing with very young ladies who were most definitely not his wife. And he was drinking in an Ohio State shirt. That's really the worst part about all this. <laughs> oh, no, this isn't the worst part. This isn't the worst part. So when this comes out over the weekend, right? Um, he decides to play it off, and says, "Oh, there was this group of people, this this magical made up group of people that sure. really wanted to hang out with him and take prick- pictures of him or take pictures yeah. with him, right? Because they're fans." And it they, happens to him all the time, Andrew. And they somehow drug him into the bar. And they drug they, him? Did he say they drugged him? Yeah. The, no, drug him, drug him, as in, like, drag. Oh, dragged him. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, like, <laughs> that would be a pretty wild accusation. And then they got him into the bar, and then apparently they were forcing him on the dance floor. Apparently. Uh, I mean, it happens to the best of them. I mean, and they probably forced that Ohio State jacket onto him, too. Here's the problem with that. Um, it never that, happened. That bar, that bar, Urban Meyer owns that bar. You're joking. I'm not joking. You're Urban Meyer joking. owns that. He owns the bar. Oh I'm my God. not joking. That's no, you've got to be joking. I promise you, with God as my witness, I that am is beyond. not joking. He did not. Are you, are you, are you fact checking it right now? I am. I cannot believe that it would be actually his bar. That is it's his bar. so stupid as to like it. It's beyond belief. I'm sorry. I cannot believe that. I don't think of Urban Meyer as a particularly exceptionally intelligent man. <laughs> but there is stupid, and then there's S T O O P I D. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're no. Are you it's looking too up? stupid? Are you looking up? You're right. right now? You're I, right. Yep. What? What it's is his, going it's, on? It's his bar. I can't. I can't deal with this world anymore. This is too stupid. So Urban Meyer, after the game, goes to cope in his own bar to dance with with women who are not his wife. Nah, well, you know, happens to the best one. After, next time, after, champ, you know? after the game. Now, we're not done. We are not done, Harry. Of course. I mean, how could we be done? So he ends up uh, going back to Jacksonville after this, right? As you do. No, of course. I mean, I'd be heading back to Jacksonville. Yeah. Hold on, I need to cut that out. There we go. So, he goes back after Jacksonville, right? The players find out about this, and they are understandably incredibly mad, right? I mean, I yeah, I'd be pretty mad if I were a player. I'm not gonna lie. Like that, that's a little. Urban so, Meyer Urban. proceeds to cancel the team meeting on Monday. Oh, what a chat! Don't <laughs> like what people have to say about you. Just don't let them say it. He cancels the meeting Got on him. Monday and begins his apology tour. Now we have to talk about the apology tour, Harry. The propaganda offensive has begun in a so, big way. He apologizes for being a distraction. I think it was either Monday or Saturday. Sure, sure. Um, I don't remember which one it was. Um, 
And then this story broke, or this little tidbit broke. This was on October 5th, so this would have been yesterday. This would have been Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, from reporter Michael Silver, NFL reporter oh, Michael God. Silver. Michael Silver, he's a rat. <laughs> so Tattletale. Michael Silver talked to the Jaguars locker room. And here are some things oh, that some no. of the that some of the Jaguars players said. One player told Michael Silver he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very assume. little to begin with. I mean, he, he canceled. Players said he was scared, um, and he reportedly told the players that um, he was just there to dance. He was just there to dance. Um, okay. The players were highly skeptical. Yeah. Not I, only did he do this, but this would have been on Tuesday, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. When he began his apology tour on Tuesday, he didn't even address the team. He addressed oh. he addressed position groups one at a time. Oh, God. That's so bad. What's even worse is that after his apology tour to, to position players, and he, when he walked out of the room, the players died uh, in hysterical laughter of course i mean they just laughed him out of the room okay and then after after this much weaseling okay after this much miring if you so if you if you catch my drift here um he finally cowardly talks to the team as a whole today on wednesday finally so he has dragged out the apology over the past three to four days, okay, right, right, he's dragged out the apology. He canceled the initial team meeting on when on Monday. He has owners furious. The owner is furious, right? The owner, which by the way, the owner is really Shad Khan, not a good owner because in his press statement, he said, uh, "You know, Urban Meyer needs to earn back my respect and confidence," right? But when yeah. you lose respect for your coach, don't you fire him? I'm not. Okay, listen, I, I think he realizes that something needed to be said, but I'm not sure he like really was sure what needed to be said. So he just said something, <laughs> you know? So in fairness is a solution. I mean, you know, someone, everyone keeps like looking at you like you need to say something. So you just say something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Urban Meyer today, he keeps saying, you know, Oh, some of the Jaguars team leaders, they got my back, okay? I talked to them. I hashed it out. Uh, they I don't ha- know who these team leaders are, but okay. I don't know who they are either. He wouldn't name names. So, uh, what are we doing here with Urban Meyer? You wouldn't know the team leaders who support me. They go to another school. Keep in mind, folks, this is the guy who, when he was trying to hire a strength coach when he got hired to the Jaguars... The strength coach he initially hired was a strength coach coach from Iowa who was under investigation for alleged bullying and racism at Iowa. (laughs) That's Urban Meyer's kind of guy. That's an Urban Meyer kind of coach, you know? (laughs) So needless to say, the strength coach resigned immediately once those stories came out, and rightfully so. Right, I mean, bullying and racism generally pretty bad, I think most people can agree. Not all, but most. But um, I think I think Urban Meyer's career is is done. He just lost his all credibility. He is stuck with the Jaguars now. Because think about this, right? 
Okay. Literally by week two or three, he was already getting linked to the USC job. That's already. True. Right? How how is he gonna recruit now? Because it's not like he can go back to college anymore. Because mm-hmm. when a parent is talking to, to this Urban Meyer doofus, okay, they're gonna That's say a generous way to put it, doofus. They're gonna they're gonna say to themselves, hey, isn't this the guy that was most likely about to cheat on his wife, quit on his team, went to his own bar after a game. They pressured him into it. I mean, he was just his own <laughs> It's so stupid. Why? It's like you can't recruit anymore. You can't recruit anymore. Your X's and O's style of football, you clear. It's so clearly, clearly outdated. No, not only outdated, he clearly didn't know what he wanted to run. Because the offense has been a mess. He didn't know positional value at all. His first real pick after, you know, Trevor Lawrence was basically in chalk for for the entire year. His first real pick was on a running back. Okay. So college coach didn't understand positional value. Is a terrible person, as we have seen. He's done. I don't see how... I don't see... I don't see how this can continue because he didn't just lose the, he didn't just lose the locker room. He threw it out the window. So not only do you, the players are actively laughing at him now. You can can you blame them? I mean like I'm sorry. And like, they are justified in that. So yeah, I mean. at this point how do you not fire Urban Meyer? I am surprised he hasn't been fired already. And it is because of all of this, Harry, that I say, this is Bobby Petrino levels of bad. That's, you know, I, yes, but I I can't, Bobby Petrino is so legendarily bad. I can't in good faith call anyone Bobby Petrino bad until they do what Petrino did, right? Like, I think that has to be No, 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 no. Because Bobby Petrino didn't trade C.J. Henderson for a, for a third round pick and Dan Arnold. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I have to give you that. Yeah, but I, they didn't do that. But, you know, like the whole quit on his team. I mean, he tried to quit on his team, but honestly, Urban Meyer's incompetence actually works in his favor This in this case because he didn't quit on his team. In fairness, he did not quit on his team. He's still there. You know? I mean, it's rough. It's rough in Jacksonville. Uh, that's all I got to say. It is, I mean, I don't, it is I, tough. We called it, Andrew. I mean, I think that we were very harsh from the very beginning on the Urban Meyer hire. I think that was the right call. I don't think, I don't think, you know, friends don't let friends hire college coaches. <sighs> you know? I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just, it's really remarkable, I think, how poorly this whole thing was executed from like a from a from an organizational standpoint of like, good lord, what did it kill them to do anything competent, you know? Like it would actually it is hard to mess up as badly as Urban Meyer messed up. It really is. That's why I'm saying he will go down as one of the worst head coaching hires of all time. This is this is that bad. This is egregiously yeah. bad. I, no, I mean... Like, it leaves you with a loss for words. Truly. It, it, it genuinely makes you wonder, like, 
if there's some sort of like curse against the Jaguars, because it's like, listen, I think most smart people with, a, with an awareness of NFL history and precedent could tell you this probably was not going to work out as well as they wanted it to. But there is a large difference between, <laughs> man, this really didn't go our way, guys. And what is going on right now? I, I, don't, I don't even know what else to add. I think the rest of it just kind of speaks for itself, right? It's just one of those things where you can't – What what is there to say, honestly? It's like, yeah, fire him Meyer imme- bad. Fire, fire him immediately. He's done. He's done. Even then, I mean, your reputation's gone, right? Like, who in their right minds is taking the Jaguars seriously anymore? This isn't – by the way, Urban Meyer, he didn't just kill his football career – I think he just killed his broadcasting career too. I don't think Urban Meyer is allowed to be a public figure anymore. Just factually, I don't think. I don't think people will allow it. You know, I think he's done. He's done. I think it's for the best, honestly. Uh, but, and you know, I will know one thing that I think makes it especially egregious when you think about it, which is that Urban Meyer, right? Like, he actually did some kind of bad things. Like, there was a lot of allegations about how he he covered up sexual assault allegations at Ohio state. Like he's been getting away with this stuff. I think, you know, that's not to say that like, you know, I I would say that what he got away with and from like the sexual assault stuff is worse than what he's currently being punished for, but it doesn't really matter. The point is that urban Meyer has been able to escape essentially scot-free from responsibility from the consequences of his own actions. You know, he's been able to get away with anything he wants. And I think that there's, there's some justice, some comeuppance, you know, mm. to say, no, for once, Urban Meyer's actions will stick to him. Yeah. And it's like, it, in Urban Meyer's own words, Harry, playing in the NFL is like playing Alabama every week. And yeah, he, mean, is, he is getting it good and hard right now. He is... Again, I just don't know how much worse this could go for either Urban Meyer or the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, it really is like, woo-wee, you know? Now, for the only upside for this, folks, is that once Urban Meyer is fired, Jaguars fans, you should be rejoicing. At least it's now and not two or three years later, okay? Because not I, yeah. I, already, I already knew he – I already had a feeling, you know, he wasn't going to make it to his second season. Now I don't even know if he's I, – I think I, – I don't think he makes it past this week. I think he's no. done. I, don't, I think he's done. I hope he's done. So, at, at the very least, Eric Bieniemy didn't get a job. I didn't get a head coaching job. Brian Dable didn't get a, get a head coaching job. And Joe Brady is going to get a head coaching job this offseason. You have three great head coaching candidates coming up in, in this offseason. Get, get, get Trevor Lawrence a real coach. And you'll have the opportunity to do so this offseason. So that is probably the the only upside here for the Urban Meyer situation. But my goodness, what a what a rough one. What a rough one. On yeah, that I note, mean, yeah. on that note, I believe this is where we're going to have to end tonight's show, folks. Mm-hmm. As as it is kind of late in the show, we're a little over time, so. A little over time. Yeah. yeah. Well, thankfully you have, you can edit out some of my, my, or the, the urban Meyer bad influence, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So. <clears throat> one second. All right. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bubby's Brunch Buddies. You gained some new perspective or at least some Bubby Brister trivia. Maybe some even some Urban Meyer trivia, you know, for this episode. Thank you again for listening. Have a great evening. We hope to catch you next time.